This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We're in a series right now on the prayer protocols, the different instruction that God gives us in his word about our praying. When we pray, the Bible instructs us to approach God with boldness. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come, how? Boldly, before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Boldly is a Greek word admonishing us to come with confidence and assurance. Now, I didn't say self-confidence, self-assurance. No, confidence and assurance, not in ourselves, but in the God who has signaled us to come. Uh, as I was studying this, I, you know, it's, it's as if I can see in my eye, mind's eye in heaven. I look towards the throne and my Savior stands and he says. Now confidence and assurance remove timidity. Timidity is not spirituality. Please understand that because timidity communicates apprehension about God who loves us and gave himself for us. And by giving himself for us, he removed all the obstacles that keep sinful man from a holy throne. So we don't need to be timid. The problem has been solved, amen? Amen. There's no reason for apprehension before or about the approach to the throne. Now, why is that? Well, again, in Hebrews chapter 10, 19 and 20, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Now, what is the therefore in verse 19, therefore? As a Bible student, when you see that, you need to see what it's there for. Well, you're in the text. Just take a look. Because of the new covenant, verse 16, sealed by the blood of the Lord Jesus, we refer to that covenant when we celebrate the Lord's table. Because of that covenant, sealed by the blood of Christ, our sins and lawless deeds, God, verse 17 says, he remembers them no more. Now, what's true is my flesh always wants to remember them. And Satan will team up with my flesh to try to get me to remember and feel guilty and and feel like God doesn't want to talk to me. He doesn't want to hear from me. But we have boldness because he doesn't remember any of that stuff. So our standing and his inviting us result in the confidence here's the protocol tonight the confidence protocol can we really have confidence uh, in the resource that we're using and again I'm using very little of that tonight Uh, but the author uh, of the book biblical protocols for prayer does point to this illustration and I think it's an excellent illustration to help us understand the confidence protocol. Take your Bible and would you turn to Matthew chapter 14. You know this story. 
It's a remarkable story. We're going to read about the only man other than our Savior who walked on water. And in Matthew 14, verse 22, the Bible tells us straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. The word constrained means he, he had to pressure them. Now, he always knows what's best. But these experienced fishermen, I wonder if already they were looking at the weather going, eh, we'd rather not get in a boat tonight. But he constrained them to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a high mountain to pray, or into a mountain to pray, apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a, a spirit, a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. I want to focus on verse 29. What did the Lord say? Come. Come. This illustration helps us understand the confidence that we're talking about in the passage in Hebrews. Two things terrified the disciples. Number one, a storm that wouldn't let them reach the shore. It was contrary. They, were going, they needed to get to the other side. Uh, this was bad weather. And everything they tried, the wind was working against them. So you have, you have a spirit walking on the water. So when you combine a physical problem with spiritual doubts, what are we seeing? This is supernatural. When those come at us at the same time, it can shake us. And I think the Holy Spirit uh, is helping us to see here, and the Lord wanted the disciples to be, very quickly things can change physically, spiritually. When those combine, it, it can rattle us. But in these circumstances, a recognizable voice rings out. Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Jesus was coming to the disciples. Why? To be with them. And Peter's response was the right one. He couldn't wait in the boat. He wanted to be with Jesus. Now, the other disciples content to stay in the boat. Not Peter. I want to be with you, Lord. I think down deep he had that sense it's safer out there next to him than even in here. Now, there will be a struggle of faith because we all have flesh. Verse 28, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. But I love the fact that Jesus doesn't rebuke Peter's doubt. What does he say? Verse 29, come. What follows is remarkable. Jesus helps Peter get to him and then resolves all of Peter's problems. I would say that Matthew 14 is just 
a really helpful care, uh, prayer pa- uh, passage. Really helpful. You ever feel like you're in a boat, you can't get to shore? And it just keeps blowing at you, but it's the wrong direction? And then that voice inside, the Holy Spirit says, don't be afraid. It's me. And what does the Lord want us to do? Come. Come here. Come here. Let's commune. Let's talk. Peter's confidence wavered. But the invitation to come caused him to step towards the Lord even on a troubled sea. Jesus wants us to lock our eyes on him and his gracious invitation and then come boldly. Now nothing can keep you from his throne if you accept his invitation. Look beyond your immediate surroundings and circumstances and then come. Come to Jesus. We must learn to approach the throne of grace with courage and assurance because Peter's Lord is our Lord too. And he occupies that throne. Paul told the Ephesians in Christ Jesus, and this is chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, in Christ Jesus our Lord, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Now, along with the Lord's admonition to come boldly, he also tells us what to expect when we come to his throne. So Jesus says, come for help. Come for help. I'm reminded of the words of James, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally, and what? Abradeth not. Dummy, why didn't you come sooner? If you'd come sooner, you wouldn't have made that mess. That's not our God. Come, come. Lord, if it's, is that really you? If so, tell me to come. He knows our frame. He remembers we're what? We're dust. Come. That's the point. And he says, come for help. I want to help you. The invitation to come already signals grace. Come unto me. We looked at this last time. All you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come, that invitation signals grace. I want to help. You have my undeserved favor. It's being extended to you, even though you deserve judgment. You deserve judgment before this throne, but I'm inviting you to come to this throne for help. Isn't that great? All because of Christ. Now, we do need to remember Revelation 20 and verse 11. It's the same throne, the judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne, the throne of... It's the same throne. God doesn't have multiple thrones. But for you and I, that throne is the throne of grace. Revelation 20 and verse 11 tells us that at that same throne, uh, it's a great white throne, him that sat on it, whose face the earth and heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. There's coming a day when humans will want to get away from that throne. They don't want to be there. But that's not you and me. It's the throne of grace. He's saying, come, 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 come meet me here. All right? 
So, blood-washed saints have been invited before the throne. Christian, good, God's favor has been granted to you. You are his justified, accepted child. And he say, says, come with confidence before his throne because of your continued need for help. Now, what kind of help? Let's go to uh, Hebrews 4.16, and we're going to just break this down quickly. There are two kinds of help. Come so that you can obtain mercy. Have you ever taken a good look at Roman, or, uh, Hebrews 4.16? That you may obtain mercy. Now, mercy refers to pardon for sin and being brought back into fellowship with God. Do you know what some of your help is? You know what the help I need every day is to go in front of that throne of grace and say, Lord, here's what I did. It was wrong. It was sin. Please forgive me. And what does he promise? Mercy. Every time? Most of the time? Every single time. Some Christians avoid the throne of grace because they failed the Lord again. Yet God's invitation, Hebrews 4.16, takes this into account. His gracious throne is for those who need to obtain more mercy. Every Christian is justified, but every Christian needs mercy daily because we all need to confess sin daily. Every one of us. Do you need to confess sin daily? And we don't even want to talk about it, do we? I, every day I'm before the throne. Hope you are too. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. But do you know that right next to verse 9 is verse 10? Now that's deep, isn't it? What does verse 10 say? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I need to come to the throne for merciful help every day. And he's waiting. He's ready. By the way, it's also, um, well, let's move on. So every time you and I sin, we have a gracious invitation to come before the throne for mercy. What other kind of help is here? Very quickly, gracious help. And find grace to help in time of need. Adam Clark says this in his commentary, quote, grace is that by which the soul is supported after it has received this mercy. So I've gotten the mercy. Now I'm back in fellowship with God as I've repented. Okay, Now I, I get grace on the heels of that. Grace is what upholds us in all trials and difficulties and enables us to prove, uh, and enables us to prove faithful unto death. End quote. So, gracious help. Grace is God's spiritual help and enablement. And notice when it is available. Now, I've read over this multiple times. Notice when it's available. Look at the wording, in time of need. Do you know what that, the translation of that word is? It's a Greek word, eukurios, and it means this, well-timed at the right time, just at the right time. When you come to the throne, not only do you get mercy, but you get grace in just the right time. Enablement, help. 
Not only do believers have unlimited enablement from God, but he delivers his help with precision timing. And so let me, let me share this story and we'll be done. I, I may have shared it here before, but uh, years ago, pastoring in Pennsylvania, we were in the Midwest for Christmas. We were on the Pennsylvania Turnpike coming back home at the end of the Christmas holiday. Uh, at that time, we were running a 15-passenger van because we needed that for our family. And our oldest, Benjamin, was driving that van. It was, it was, I was worn out. Renee was worn out. Uh, he was a good driver. He was driving the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and I was sitting in the bench, on the bench behind him right in the middle. God woke me up. Woke me up, and I looked up. And I could, I, Ben was awake, he was watching as a semi-truck came right into our lane. I, I, I hollered, didn't, I don't think I scared him, I said, Ben, stop. And he tapped the brakes and that truck came right over, almost hit the jersey wall. Well, now we're all awake. And the guy was acting like, he must have been uh, falling asleep or something. So we waited and let him, let him get on ahead. Uh, it was a close call. Just a couple weeks later at church, one of our elderly ladies, and I, when she went to be with the Lord, I was concerned because I knew she was a prayer warrior. She came up to me, Sister Stiles, came up to me. She said, Pastor, where were you guys? And she named the date, and she said, it was like 2 or 3 in the morning. She said, where were you guys? What was going on? I said, Ruth, why? She said, God woke me up out of sleep and said, pray for the Asher family. Grace to help in time of need. You know what? God woke her up, precision timing. We needed prayer support. Say, well, it's just a head. No, no, no. That's what happens before the throne of grace. And in fact, as I thought about this and meditated on some preparation for this message, so many illustrations of this started coming back to my mind. I thought, I, I could talk and talk and talk about this, and I bet the church, I don't bet, the church family could probably tell stories too. Say, wow, that, that, that help came just in time. There you go. So gracious help from our Lord. Now, even though our Lord says, come boldly for mercy and grace, our doubt and unbelief can be catastrophic. James 4.2 describes Christians in James' day, and I think many Christians today, ye lust and have not, kill, desire to have, cannot obtain, ye fight in war, ye, yet ye have not because ye, you don't ask. You're not coming before my throne, mercy and grace. Instead of coming boldly, some believers stumble around blindly trying to make life work without the throne. You are royalty and your father is king. Go to his throne. He waits for you there. So we need to come boldly. The throne of grace personally and corporately to obtain unlimited mercy and, and enablement just when we need it because we always need it. Our prayer times need to be confident approach to God's throne because the blood of Christ and what he has promised is, is there for us. 
And we need to come with the Christ focus and urgency of Peter. You may feel like you're stable, but unless you're looking to Jesus, the ground under you might as well be the water that was under Peter. Right? Right? 